Section three of Greece and Rome. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sonia. The World's Story, Volume four Greece and Rome. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section three The Story of Oedipus by Sophocles retold by rev g w cox oedipus tyrannus or oedipus the king the greatest of the greek tragedies was written by sophocles in the fifth century before christ the editor on the throne of cadmos in the great city of thebes sat laius the son of labdacus he had passed through many and sore troubles since his father died for amphion and zetos the sons of antiope had driven him from his kingdom and for a long time laios dwelt in a strange land but now he trusted to live in peace with his wife jocaste jocasta the daughter of menoikeus and to die happily in a good old age still although all things seemed to go well with him he could not forget the words which phoebus apollo spake when he sent to delphi to ask what should befall him in the after days and so it came to pass that while others rejoiced to hear the merry laughter of children in their homes laius trembled when he heard the tidings that a son had been born to him for the warning was that he should be slain by his own child many days he spent in sadness and gloom and he spake no word of love or tenderness to jocaste nor did he look on the child as he lay helpless in his cradle at last he bade his servants take the child and leave him on the rugged heights of Cithiron. so jocaste sat in silence although her heart was breaking with grief for she knew that it was vain to plead for the life of her babe and presently the servant set forth from the house of laios to go to the mountain where his flocks were feeding there in a hollow cleft they placed the child and as they went away they said if the nymphs see him not as they wander along the rough hillside laios will have no need to fear the warnings of apollo so once more there was seeming peace in the king's house at thebes and the grief of jocaste was soothed as the months passed by for she said it is better that my child should sleep the sleep of death than that he should live to slay his father but the danger had not passed away for the babe was in the house of polybus who ruled at corinth once had the sun gone down beneath the sea and once had the light of eos tinged the eastern sky when a shepherd who tended his flocks on the cool hillside saw the babe wrapped in his white shroud then his heart was touched with pity and he said i will take him to my master's house for if his parents will it not that the child should live it will profit nothing to take him back to thebes and he cannot do harm to any one in the corinthian land so merope the wife of polybus received the babe with great gladness for she had no child and she called his name oedipus because his feet were swollen with the linen bands which were bound about them when they took him away from the house of laios many times the year went round and oedipus grew up with fair and ruddy countenance and all men loved him no cloud dimmed the brightness of his childhood and his youth for polybus and merope looked upon him with a happy pride 
and thought how the love of oedipus should cheer them in the days of weakness and old age so the fame of the young man was spread abroad for he was foremost in every sport and game and none returned from the chase more laden with booty but one day it came to pass that there was a feast in the house of polybus and one of the guests whom oedipus had beaten in the foot-race spake out in his anger and said that he was not in very truth the child of merope the feast went on with mirth and song but there was a dark cloud on the face of oedipus for the words of the stranger had sunk deep into his heart and he sate still and silent till the banquet was ended when the morning was come he went to merope and said tell me the truth my mother am i not indeed thy son then she cast her arms around him and said who hath beguiled thee thus oedipus can any know better than i that thou art my child indeed and never was a son more dear to his parents than thou art to us but although he asked no more questions yet after a while the doubt came back and he said within himself none can be more tender and loving than merope but she did not tell me plainly that i really am her son so in the darkness of the night he went sadly from the home where he had lived without care or trouble till the misery of this doubt came upon him once more he passed along the heathy sides of cithiron not knowing that there he had been cast forth to die and he journeyed on to the shrine of phoebus apollo at delphi there as he stood before the holy place a voice came to him which said thy doom is that thou shalt slay thy father then oedipus was bowed down with the weight of his fear and sorrow and he resolved within himself that he would never go back to corinth that so he might not become the slayer of polybus so he went away from delphi heavy and displeased and he journeyed on in moody silence with his heart full of bitter thoughts he cared not whither the road might lead him and it chanced that as he came near to the meeting of the roads which go to daulis and to thebes he heard suddenly the voice of one who bade him turn aside from the path while his chariot passed by then oedipus started like one awaking from a dream and looking up he saw an old man sitting in the chariot an angry flush was on his face as he charged his servant to thrust aside the stranger who dared to stand in his path so the servant lifted up his whip to strike oedipus and oedipus said who are ye that you should smite me and why should i yield to thee old man because thou ridest in a fine chariot and seekest to turn others aside from the road which is open for all men but when the driver of the chariot sought again to strike him oedipus smote him with the full strength of his arm so that he sank down from his seat then the face of the old man grew pale with fury and he leaned forth to strike down oedipus with the dagger which was in his hand but he smote him not for oedipus turned aside the blow and he struck the old man on his temples and left him lying dead by the side of the chariot so he journeyed onwards but as he drew near to the great city of cadmos he saw mothers sitting with their children by the wayside and the air was filled with their wailing their faces were pale as though from a deadly plague and their limbs quivered as if from mortal fear and oedipus said children of cadmos what evil has befallen you that ye have fled from your homes and are sunk down thus on the hard earth 
then they told him how on a high cliff near the city of thebes a horrible monster with a maiden's face and a lion's body sat looking on the plain below and how the breath of the sphinx poisoned the pure air of the heavens and filled their dwellings with a noisome pestilence and they said help a stranger if thou canst for if help come not soon the city and people of cadmus will be destroyed for like a black cloud in the sky the sphinx rests on the cliff and none can drive her away unless he first answers the riddle with which she baffles the wisest of the land every day she utters her dark speech and devours all who seek to answer it and fail then said oedipus what may the riddle be and they answered this much only does the swing say on the earth is a two-footed living thing which has four feet and three and only one voice alone of all creatures it changes its form and moves more slowly when it uses all its feet now therefore stranger if thou canst answer the riddle thou wilt win a mighty prize for laios our king has been slain we know not by whom and the elders have spoken the word that he who slays the sphinx shall have iocaste for his wife and sit on the throne of cadmos then with a cheerful heart oedipus went onwards until he drew near to the cliff on which the sphinx was sitting with a steady gaze he looked on her stern unpitying face and said to her what is thy riddle and all who heard trembled as she spake to oedipus then he thought within himself for a while and at last he looked up and said listen o sphinx the creature of whom thou hast asked me is man in the days of his helpless childhood he crawls on his four feet in his old age a staff is his third foot and his movement is slowest when he crawls on four feet the paleness of death came over the face of the swings and every limb quivered with fear until as oedipus drew nearer she flung herself with a wild roar from the cliff presently the men of thebes trampled on her ghastly carcass and they led oedipus in triumph to the elders of the city shouting iopean for the mighty deed which he had done then was the feast spread in the great banquet hall and the minstrels sang his praise and besought strength and wealth for him and for the people so iocaste became the wife of oedipus and all men said since the days of cadmos the son of telephassa no king hath ruled us so wisely and justly and the name of the gloomy liars was forgotten for many years oedipus reigned gloriously in thebes and the fame of his wisdom was spread abroad in the countries round about he looked on his sons and daughters as they grew up in health and strength and it seemed to him as though trouble and sorrow could scarcely vex him more but the terrible erinys who takes vengeance for blood had not forgotten the day when laios fell smitten by the wayside and at the bidding of zeus phoebus apollo sent the plague upon the theban land the people died like sheep in the city and in the field and the pestilence was more grievous than in the days when the sphinx uttered her dark riddle from the cliff at last the elders of the city came to oedipus and said o king thou didst save the city and the people long ago when we were so oppressed by a horrible monster 
save us now if thou canst by thy great wisdom but oedipus said friends the plague which is slaying us now comes from no monster but from zeus who dwells on olympus and my wisdom therefore cannot avail to take it away but i have sent creon my brother to the shrine of phoebus apollo at delphi to ask him wherefore these evils have come upon us but the coming of creon brought strife only and anguish to the city and the fearful erinys who wanders through the air waved her dark wings over the house of oedipus for phoebus had told him that there was no hope for the land until they cast forth the men whose hands were polluted with blood then said oedipus this were an easy task if we only knew on whom lies the blood guiltiness but i know neither the man nor the deed for which the doom is laid upon him and creon answered o king it is for laios who was slain as he was journeying into the phocian land then everywhere through the city and in the field went the messenger of oedipus charging all to bring forth the murderer and threatening grievous pains to any who should hide or shelter him but none stood forth to own his guilt or to charge it on another and in his sore strait oedipus sent for the blind seer teresias who knew the speech of birds and the hidden things of earth and heaven but when he was led before the king oedipus saw that the heart of the wise prophet was troubled and he said gently teresias thou who understandest things that are hidden from other men tell me now i beseech thee on whose hands is this stain from the blood of liars let me know but this and the pestilence will straightway cease from the land but teresias answered hastily ask me not o king ask me not let me go again to my home and let us bear each his own burden so teresias kept silence and many times oedipus prayed him to speak until his wrath was roused and he spake unseemly words to the prophet and said if thou answerest not my question it must be because thine own hands are polluted with the blood of liars then from the countenance of the prophet flashed unutterable scorn as he said slowly so that none might hear but oedipus o king thou hast sealed thine own doom on thine hand lies his blood not on mine dost thou not remember the words which phoebus spake to thee at delphi when thou hadst gone thither from the house of polybus but in his rage and madness oedipus took no heed of prudence and wisdom and he cried with a loud voice and said hearken o people to the words of teresias hath he not spoken well when he said that laius was smitten by my hand then there rose wild cries and shoutings and bitter words were spoken against the seer who had dared to revile the king but as he turned to go teresias said only it is easy to cry aloud it is harder to judge and to find out the truth search ye it out well before ye say that i have spoken falsely so once more a terrible doubt filled the mind of oedipus in the day his thoughts vexed him and evil dreams stood before him in the dark hours of night and daily the plague pressed more heavily on the people until at length he asked iocaste of the time when laius had been slain and what tidings were brought of the deed 
and she said only one lives to tell the tale and he said that at the place where three ways met robbers fell on the king and slew him and the deed was done not long before thy coming to thebes then a strange fear came over oedipus as he remembered the old man whom he had smitten in his chariot and he told her of all the things which befell him as he journeyed to thebes from delphi but in thy words is hope he said for if laios fell by a band of thieves then i am guiltless of his blood yet hasten now and bring hither the man who saw the deed for i will not close my eyes in sleep until this secret is made known but while one went for the man there came a messenger from corinth with tidings that polybus the king was dead and oedipus lifted up his hands and said i thank thee o zeus for the words of phoebus apollo that i should slay my father can never be accomplished but the messenger answered hastily thy thanks are wasted o king for the blood of polybus runs not in thy veins i found thee on the rugged heights of kithiron and safety from the doom which was prepared for thee so from the house of polybus there is for thee neither hope nor fear then the heart of oedipus beat wildly with a horrible dread and he said o thou that dwellest at delphi have thy words in very deed been accomplished and i knew it not presently the hope which the words of iocasti had waked up in him was taken away for the old man who had seen the deed said now that only one had slain the king and the tokens remain sure that the hands of oedipus were polluted with his father's blood then there was woe unspeakable in the city of cadmus and the hearts of all the people were bowed down with grief for all the miseries which had burst like a flood on the house of labdacus and a great cry went up to heaven for the lady iocasti lay dead and oedipus had done a fearful deed when he saw her stretched cold and lifeless before him with his own hands he tore out his eyes and hurled them away for he said it is not fit that the eyes which have seen such things should ever look upon the sun again from that day forth the terrible erinys who hovers in the air and the awful ate who visits the sins of the fathers upon the children abode by day and by night in the house of oedipus his sons drove together in their vain and silly pride and each sought to be king in his father's place till at last they cast oedipus forth and he wandered in wretchedness and misery from the land of the cadmians his grievous sorrow had quenched his love for his people and he said in bitterness of spirit that his body should not be buried in the theban land so his child antigone led him onwards and sought to cheer him in his fierce agony but the dark cloud rested ever on his countenance until one day he said to antigone my child i think that the end of my long suffering is nigh at hand for there came to me last night a vision of a dream which said man of many troubles thou shalt lie down to rest in the grove of the eumenides and for the land in which thy body shall lie there shall be wealth in peace and victory in war so he went on with a good heart journeying towards rocky athens and as he passed through a wood where the waters of a little stream murmured pleasantly in the still summer air he sat down on a seat carved in the living rock while antigone stood by his side but presently a rough voice bade him rise and depart 
stranger dost thou not dread the wrath of the mighty beings whose very name we fear to utter in this grove of the humanities no mortal man may rest or tarry but oedipus said gently yet move me not i pray thee for i am not as other men are and the visions of zeus have told me that this shall be the place of my rest go then to theseus who rules at athens and bid him come to one who has suffered much and who will do great things for him and for his people so theseus came at the bidding of oedipus and there were signs in the heaven above and on the earth beneath that the end was nigh at hand for the ground shook beneath their feet and the thunder was heard in the cloudless sky then oedipus bade antigone farewell and said weep not my child i am going to my home and i rejoice to lay down the burden of my woe and to theseus he said follow me o friend for the blind shall guide thee this day the dreams which zeus sends have shown me the place where i must sleep after the fever of my life is ended and so long as thou revealest not my resting-place to men thy people shall prosper and wax mighty in peace and in war but even while he yet spake there came a voice which said oedipus why tarriest thou and the sound of the thunder echoed again through the cloudless sky then he spake the parting words to theseus and besought him to guard his child antigone and he said here must thou stay until thou seest that the things are accomplished of which the vision has forewarned me follow me not farther so oedipus departed alone and theseus knew presently that zeus had fulfilled his word from that day forth the city of athene grew mighty in the earth and no enemy prevailed against it for to no one did theseus show the place where oedipus rested in the hidden dells of colonos save to the man who should rule at athens after him thus only the king knew where lay the secret spell which made the city of erectius mightier than the city of cadmus and the men of thebes sought in vain to find the grave of oedipus where the cephisus flows by the sacred grove of the humanities end of section three this recording is in the public domain.